0: I like to cook, and the one thing I've come to learn is that the best way to improve the flavor of any dish is to make sure you're using high quality ingredients, which is why I love using ButcherBox to get all my meat, poultry, and fish products. They are far and away the best option out there, so if you haven't yet ordered from them, I highly encourage you to give them a try today. Not only do they give you tons of options, you can get any cut you want and it's always top of the line. But It's also way more convenient than going to the butcher or grocery store. They always provide free delivery right to your door. They have awesome ribeyes, strip steaks, and steak tips that have all the right marbling, chicken wings, breasts, and thighs full of flavor, and their fish is all wild caught with no additives. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of those premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash scarymysteries and use code scarymysteries to choose your free offer and get $20 off. So one more time, because this is key. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef Three pounds of chicken thighs or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code SCARYMYSTERIES and get $20 off your first box. Hey everyone, I wanted to give you a heads up that the highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. So if you're looking for more true crime content, go check it out because Proof is an awesome investigative true crime podcast. Co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. And 25 years later, on December 8th of 2022, both men were finally freed, all based on evidence unearthed by Proof. Now in the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling to the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Renee Ramos. On June 5th of 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now. Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, Scary Mysteries, Twisted 2's Crew of the Sarah Joe and the Family Murders Tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries Every week, Twisted 2's dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look This week, we dive into the mysterious disappearance and reappearance of the ill-fated Sarah Joe and the heinous and disturbing killings of a group dubbed The Family Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted 2's Number 1. Crew of the Sarah Joe On February 11, 1979, on the small island of Nahiku off the coast of Maui, five friends who worked as construction workers decided to take a break for the day and go fishing. There were 27-year-old Scott Mormon, who had just got divorced and decided to make his dream of settling in Hawaii come true. 38-year-old Benjamin Kalama worked as a tile setter Peter Hanchant was 31 and a plumber, 26-year-old Patrick Wozner was the carpenter in the group, and Ralph Malachini, who was 27, was a trucker. The skies were blue and the seas were calm when the five men borrowed the 17-foot and 85-horsepower Boston whaler named the Sarah Joe from Ralph's twin brother. They packed a small cooler to store their catch, brought snacks, and headed out. The boat left from the small town of Hannah, And with the beautiful skies in plain sight, none of them bothered to check the local weather reports, and it was this seemingly small oversight that would prove costly to the team. A major low-pressure system was brewing nearby and hit the town of Hannah, causing heavy flooding and gale-force winds just hours after the men left. It was so fierce, people dubbed it as one of the worst the region had seen in over 50 years. Caught in the middle of this storm was the Sarah Joe, Some of the larger fishing ships barely made it back to shore as they battled 40-foot swells out in the open ocean. Concerned family members including Peter's father, John Sr., and Ralph's brother Robert reported the men and boat missing to the Coast Guard. In the meantime, they headed out with some local men to do a cursory check around the area for the boat. Out on the water, visibility was horrible, and fierce waves were still crashing dashing the hopes that the Sarah Joe would survive. The next day, the Coast Guard went out in what was a massive operation with more than 50 vehicles, planes, helicopters, and boats scouring nearly 73,000 square miles of ocean over the course of the next five days. Unfortunately, the Sarah Joe was nowhere to be seen and the current, which is famously strong in the channel, means the boat could have drifted further away than expected. Even after the official search was called off, family members and private groups continued to hope they would find some sign of what happened to their loved ones. Years passed and the truth slowly sunk in, that the boat must have sank along with the five friends. But then ten years later, on September 10th, 1988, marine biologist John Naughton was on a wildlife expedition 3,000 miles away. On one of the small Tongi Atolls off the coast of the Marshall Islands. Incidentally, he was part of the initial search for the Sarah Joe a full decade earlier, but was on the Tongi Atoll for an unrelated project. He was doing field work when he saw from the corner of his eye a battered fiberglass boat in the sand. He checked it out, and was sure the registry numbers were Hawaiian, but was confused how it got there since they were nowhere near Hawaii. After digging a bit further, To his amazement, it was apparent that this was the Sarah Joe. John with the other biologists found no other clues on the boat and began looking at the surrounding area. About a hundred yards away, they found a makeshift grave with a wooden cross made from driftwood shoved into the shallow ground over flattened coral shingles and stones. Protruding out was clearly a human jawbone. Underneath the corals were stacks of unbound papers that were partially burnt. They had nothing written on them, and a small silver foil separated each sheet. While other human bones could be seen, they didn’t want to disturb the burial site and so they left it alone. They did take the jawbone and had it analyzed for forensic testing, and the results showed it was Scott Mormon’s remains. The island was properly searched, but nothing else would be found except for the boat’s engine wedged on corals underwater. So what happened to the other four men? Did they all die during or after the storm, leaving Mormon alone with the boat? But then who built the gravesite and buried Mormon? According to one theory, the type of burial he received was similar to those found in China. Traditional Chinese would bury their dead with stacks of paper along with paper money or silver or gold foil in between. These served as currency for the dead in the afterlife. It's possible a Chinese fishing boat might have picked up Mormon where he then died or he was already dead and only his bones remained when they found him and so they decided to bury him out of respect. It's likely they didn't report the burial because they were already there illegally. The journey of the Sarah Joe to the island is also strange. It's a boat made for coastal use only and the fact that it had weathered the storm and open seas are a miracle in itself. The channel, headed to Tongi Atoll, is narrow, and it was nearly impossible for the Sarah to wander through it without human intervention. Scientists estimate the drift time from Hawaii to the Marshall Islands is three months. And four years before Naughton's group discovered the Sarah researchers also explored the area, but reported seeing nothing unusual or a gravesite while there. Number 2. The Family Murders Known as Australia's murder capital, Adelaide doesn't necessarily have a higher number of murders compared to Sydney, but it does win out for the brutality and perplexing cases emerging from it. One of these strange cases is dubbed as the family murders. The term family was given to this group of unidentified men believed to be involved in the kidnapping, sexual abuse, torture, and brutal murders of teenage boys and young men around the 1970s and 80s. On June 5th of 1983, 15-year-old Richard Kelvin was abducted just a short distance away from his home. He was the son of popular Channel 9's news anchor Rob Kelvin and was last seen sporting a Channel 9 shirt, jeans, and white sneakers. Five weeks later, on July 24th, his body was found. He was still fully clothed in the same garments he disappeared in and lying in the fetal position. After examination, it was discovered he had died from massive blood loss due to an anal injury. Various other marks and bruises were found all over his head and body, and his blood tested positive for strong hypnotic drugs like Noctec and Mandrax. Since Mandrax was a heavily regulated prescription drug, police used it to trace possible suspects, and Bevan Spencer Von Inman's name came up. Bevan was a quiet accountant by day, but hid a brutal and sadistic side of his personality from most people. His name sent red flags because police had previously questioned him for the deaths of three young men, including one for sexual assault. Bevan initially denied meeting Kelvin and said he was in bed all day with the flu. Police searched his home and found the Mandrax prescription bottle and while he denied having other drugs, the cops also found a bottle of Noctec hidden on a ledge inside his wardrobe. Bevin now became the primary suspect. Soon, the police matched fibers found on the body and clothes of Kelvin to fibers inside Bevan's home. They matched a total of 250 of them, putting Kelvin inside the house for a good amount of time. Despite changing his story and admitting he met Kelvin and that he was alive when he last saw him, The evidence against Bevan was strong, and he was eventually charged with life in prison with a non-parole period of 24 years. But this wouldn't be the end, as Bevan was also a leading suspect in other deaths of young males. Alan Barnes was a 16-year-old hitchhiker in 1979 when he was last seen entering a white Holden sedan with three to four people inside. His body was found mutilated, beaten, and tortured and he had died from blood loss, resulting from an anal injury as well. His blood test showed he was given Noctec. Two months after Barnes was killed, Neil Frederick Murr's body was found cut into several pieces and put inside a garbage bag. Several of his tattoos had been removed, and he also died of blood loss in the same way as the others. His body showed trauma and beatings, and was also drugged. Peter Stoggeff, who was 14, was another victim, His body was discovered in 1981. Mark Langley, who was 18, was found nine days after he went missing. His body was badly mutilated and he had been drugged as well. Portions of his small bowels were missing and a precise surgical cut was found running from his navel to his pubic region. The prosecution tried to charge Bevan for the murders of Langley and Barnes because of the odd and glaring similarities in all the cases. But there was a lack of evidence and witness testimony were mostly ruled inadmissible by the judge. In the end, the prosecution decided to withdraw the charges. Today, Bevan is still serving his prison sentence. A renewed effort in solving the mysterious cases of the child-teen deaths in Adelaide has opened up, with the police offering millions in rewards to help solve the various crimes. On another note, Bevan is also linked to the famous kidnapping in 1966 of the Beaumont children, whose story we've shared before. Archive footage showed police searching a storm drain, and in it was a young man who looked like a young Bevan, who would have been 21 years old at the time. Several days later, the network that released the story followed it up by pointing to the fact that the man in the footage standing next to the Bevan lookalike bore resemblance to the police sketch of the man last seen with the children. To this day, the case of the Beaumont children remains unsolved. So there were two of the most tragic and vicious stories around. The world can be a crazy place, and Twisted Twos is sure to show you why. If you enjoyed this video, then please remember to subscribe to our channel and click the notification bell because we have many new scary mysteries coming out every single week that we're sure you'll enjoy. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next week.